Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sportsman. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bigly and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bigly and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Cam. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday, Valley sports fans. We are underway. What's going to be a shenanigans Wednesday. Uh, The downstairs board was added again. I don't know if you guys happen to see this. There was a study that showed that people who spend, young people who spend more time on social media tend to be more sensitive to social feedback. What? What? What, 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 what? People who spend more time on social media tend to be more sensitive to social feedback. I feel like somebody uh, was paid for that study. I feel too. like you're gearing this discussion toward me, Beck. That does kind of have you written all over it, Vinny. I, I know we're making a joke about it, but I actually I would have almost assumed the opposite is that you become numb to it almost because it's such a cesspool on social media, and there's such so many anonymous insults and yeah. comments and so, critics. Yeah, exactly. So add that to the growing list. But before we get started today, what I do want to riff on, I, I've had it up to here with the base. Hall of Fame. If you're going to sit there with a straight face and tell me Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer, I'm going to laugh at you. And so I'm going to laugh at you today, Baseball Hall of Fame. He's the whole class, too. Laughable. Laughable. Hall of Famer? Scott Rowland? Do you know what Scott Rowland's percentage of Hall of Fame votes was in his first year of eligibility? Couldn't guess. 10%. 10%. It's the lowest... First ballot percentage ever for anybody who's in the Hall of Fame. Scott Rowland is very much a member of the Hall of Good. Hall of Good. To very yeah, good. very good. Yeah. He, no, I, he, I, don't even know if he, I don't even know if he got okay. to very good. Jared. He had huge expectations on his career going into it. He didn't get close to what they thought he might be. Arguably, good. Okay. I don't even know if he was very good. Is it enough to be arguably the best defensive player at your position during your career. He's a seven-time Gold Glove winner. Eight. Eight. Eight-time Gold Glove yeah, winner. Seven-time All-Star. All-Star. Right, so he's an eight-time Gold Glove winner, which is among like the top ten most Gold Gloves ever. All-Star. For, How many yeah. years did he play? Yeah. 17. So you, <laughs> less than yeah. half the time, you're an All-Star, and that makes you a Hall of Famer, huh? Wow. 281 wow. hitter, 312 281 home runs. hitter. It is, All right. It is not what it used to be. I want what to know. What a joke. 
how you get from 10% in your first year of eligibility to above the 75%. Well, if you're a baseball writer of America member and you have a Hall of Fame vote, you have to exercise it, or how do you feel self-important? It's a big big trend ever since the steroid era slash sabermetrics revolution. As people go, like Tim Raines, guys like that, Harold Baines, that like... Tim Raines fills in all the time, does a good job filling in, by the way, doesn't he? (laughs) I thought so, too. I love the rain. Yeah. All right, Jared, enough talking. Start the show, Ferret. (laughs) The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The Splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Cardinals coaching search continues. The team reportedly brought in Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn for a second interview and first in-person discussion last night, according to reports. Quinn spent five and a half years as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, guiding the team to just its second Super Bowl appearance in the 2016 season. Spent the last two years in Dallas under head coach Mike McCarthy. Cardinals are still scheduled to meet with Sean Payton tomorrow. They've already interviewed Ejero Evero, Brian Flores, Aaron Glenn, Frank Reich, and Vance Joseph. The team cannot meet with San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator Tomiko Ryans until at least Monday. Cliff Kingsbury fired on January 19th after a 4-13 and season, so here we are 16 days into the process. It's a good thing Michael Bidwell is doing all these uh, interviews. Can you imagine turning in all these expense accounts and forms to the boss? <laughs> and the boss going, will you make up your mind already? How many people do you want to interview? How many dinners are you yeah, going to go to? Where else are you going? How, how, where else are you flying to? Can I get my plane back? <laughs> Pick one! <laughs> Pick one already! Uh, another Cardinals coaching candidate, as I mentioned, uh, defensive coordinator Ajiro Avero of the uh, Denver Broncos reportedly getting a second interview with the Indianapolis Colts. Further reports say the Colts, who had a very lengthy candidate list, have trimmed that candidate list down to just a few. Quinn making that list, along with interim coach Jeff Saturday. Can, I still, I'm pulling for that to happen just because I want to see the reaction around the league. Jeff Saturday getting that job on an interim basis created a fire. Mm-hmm. He was awful in that role. Yeah, The Colts were a laughing stock down the stretch. And he might get the permanent job because of his relationship with Jim Irsay. Yeah, that's this is this is when ownership has to be checked. And this is if if you're a Colts fan, you're like probably sending private text to Roger Goodell, help us out here, please. Hey, Roger, you yeah, know, can you can you stage an intervention here? Jim's out of the bathroom yeah. and he's on another one. Yeah, and he's on another one. Uh, Ivero also has a second interview scheduled today with the Houston Texans. Nobody's hired a coach yet. How about that? What? How about what that? What is going How on? How about that? Yeah, the uh, Suns pushed their winning streak to four in a row with a 128-97 cakewalk over the banged-up Charlotte Hornets last night. Or shall I say the tanking Charlotte Hornets. Wow. Are there any good French restaurants in, in Charlotte, North Carolina that we know of? I'm thinking Victor Wenbanyama is going to get some sort of uh, endorsement deal with one yeah. of them if they get yeah. the first overall Yeah, the, uh, They didn't really even seem interested in shooting the basketball last there night. Was a, there, I've never seen a game where a team... Had 
had two violations just throwing the ball in from out of bounds. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was like, I'm like, does anybody on this team want to actually shoot and Ooh. score and make baskets? Uh, Cam Johnson? Johnson? Making just his second start since returning from a knee injury. Blistered the Nets with 16 points. Six of six shooting. Four of four from three-point range in the first quarter to set the tone. In fact, Johnson outscored the Hornets by himself in the first quarter, and he only played six minutes and 59 seconds. Uh, the Suns led by as many as 30 in the second quarter. Charlotte got to within eight right before halftime. The second half was all Suns. Chris Paul, 12.6 assists in the third to help put it away. Johnson finished with 24. Dario Saric had a season-high 19. Mikel Bridges, 18 for the Suns, who hit 22 three-pointers on the night. See, there goes Dario Saric again, messing around and contributing a lot again. I know, I know. Yeah. Improving his, his uh, trade stock? Yeah, I don't know. Right. Suns are now the seventh seed in the West, but just a game and a half out of fourth. They conclude their five-game Probably game a game stand. and a half out of 13th. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Correct. There was a Zach Lowe tweet going into last night's action that said five through 13 in the Western Conference all have 23, 24, or 25 losses. We've never seen anything like this before. Uh, the homestand concludes tomorrow night. Luka Doncic and the Mavericks in town at Footprint Center. Another factor that could shake up the bunched up standings in the Western Conference. Lakers big man Anthony Davis will return to the court tonight mm. against the Spurs, wow. barring any setback during his pregame warm-ups, which, let's face it, is entirely possible. Yeah, it is, indeed. Davis missed five and a half weeks with a foot injury, suffered back on December 16th. The Lakers went 10-10 and 10 without him. They're currently 22-26 and 26 in 13th place in the West, but just two games behind the Suns. Also should see the uh, debut of Rui Hachimura for the Lakers very soon. Uh, change coming to this year's NBA All-Star Game in Salt Lake City. The rosters for the two teams will be determined shortly before tip-off in a live televised pregame draft. In recent years, the uh, draft took place several days before the game, so this really adds to the pickup feel. So I guess every player is going to have two different uniforms and they're going to divvy oh, them up and yeah. hand them out right before the game. I think that's kind of cool. I mean, anything to make the uh, All-Star Game more palatable. Because we know nobody tries. Yeah, the Elam ending I've, I've a, kind of a, lost all hope. That I, was I a good wrinkle. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, okay. That game takes place February nineteenth in Utah. Coyotes got roughed up by the Anaheim Ducks last night, five two at Mullet Arena. Anaheim led four nothing in the third after Cam Fowler's second goal of the game. Yotes closed to within two on goals by Barrett Hayton and Nick Schmaltz, but an empty netter sealed their fate in the third. That homestand uh, continues tomorrow for the Yotes uh, at Mullet Arena against the St. Louis Blues. Vic Cam already mentioned Fowler? it, uh, but the 2023 <laughs> Cam Fowler uh, Baseball Hall of Fame class consists of Scott Rowland. Uh, he's the only time, only a member to get in this year. Seven-time All-Star, eight-time eight Gold Glove winner. Uh, got over the 75% threshold. Former Rockies first baseman Todd Helton received just over 72% of the votes. I think Todd Helton's more of a Hall of Famer than Scott Rowland. I'd agree with that. Andrew I mean, Jones Todd, should be in the Todd Hall of Helton Fame. Todd Helton win batting titles? Yeah, but he played his whole, uh, well, whole career too. in Colorado, yeah, so too. we don't know. Andrew Jones has almost 500 home runs, has a ton of gold gloves. Yeah, and he was, what, third in the balloting? Fourth. Yes, fourth. Uh, at the Australian Open, American Tommy Paul beat countryman Ben Shelton in four sets to clinch a spot in the semifinals at Melbourne. It's uh, Paul's first semifinal appearance in 14 career starts at a Grand Slam event. And for his accomplishments, he gets to face Novak Djokovic in the semifinals. Uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas will face Karol Kachanov in the other semifinal. 
And I'm just, I'm tired. You went over the women's semifinals in the in the yes. update, right, sir? Yes. <laughs> Elena Rubikina, Victoria Azarenka in the first semi, and then Arena Sabalenka and Magda Lynette. In the second semi. Very nice. I am fighting for my life with these names. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Kim Pagula. <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> Jessica. Kim, Kim's the mom. That's right. She's the part owner of the Bills. Although that Thanks one was Thanks a lot, actually... Chris Everett. <laughs> <laughs> Those were not... Exactly. You call me Chris one more time. Yeah, that's right. Take a station break. I bet I will. I bet I will. Chris. Will that guy, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> There's your splash for Wednesday, January 25th. And yes, I'm sensing a shenanigans Wednesday. No, good. Good, uh, good. Coming up, the latest on the Arizona Cardinals coaching update. Wow. It's still going on. Uh, that is straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, Cardinals head coaching search update. 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 You know, I mean, I think a strong argument can be made that Arizona has the best roster uh, of any. Now, I don't know exactly what Sean Payton thinks of Kyler Murray. I don't know exactly what he thinks of Kyler Murray injured. Um, and, and, you know, obviously reports came out about, you know, whatever ex-players have said whatever about Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and him, you know, seed shouting on the sidelines. I'm sure Sean Payton's going to do his homework on whether it's someone he thinks he can work with, whether it's someone he's excited to work with. Um, but a, a strong argument can be made that that's the best quarterback that any of these situations are offering. And certainly that the rest of the roster, 2 through 53, is, is the most ready to compete for titles uh, of any of these other teams. That is the voice of Mike Triplett, who covers the Saints for New Orleans.Football. He was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday afternoon here on Arizona Sports. And uh, not necessarily the same chorus we've heard from a lot of voices in stacking up the attractiveness level of these jobs, Bic. Uh, the the roster 2 through 53 might be the most ready to win of all these five teams, which might be the case, yeah, but that doesn't uh, mean they're but, all that ready okay, to win. But but hold on a second now. Uh, uh, we're talking of a roster of how many people? If you've got 28 to 33 uh, free agents, 28 of them yes. who are unrestricted, yes. what is your roster? Yeah, we don't know what that roster yeah, is. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think that that's a, that's a real asinine statement to say because you can't even determine what the Cardinals are going to look like next year. And I don't think, I mean, when you look at that list of, of 28 unrestricted free agents, there's a handful that are intriguing to bring back. Mm-hmm. Most of those guys, you're like, okay, thanks for your thanks for your time. Yeah. Good luck to you. Right. But outside of Zach Allen, Byron Murphy, Kelvin Beecham, possibly, there's not a whole lot of guys you want to bring back, is there? <laughs> No, <laughs> not, I mean, we're, we're not talk, really. We're talking no. about change from the top. Well, I mean, change in the roster has to happen too again, because the players are part of the problem. That's it's kind of why at one point in time we thought this this job would look so good to Sean Payton and or um, anybody who was interviewing to be their general manager because it was quite literally a chance to build something mm-hmm. substantial from the ground up. You don't have a lot of you're not committed to much here. No. Sean Payton will reportedly interview with the Cardinals tomorrow at long last. That would be the 17th day after the firing of Cliff Kingsbury. Mike Triplett also listed a few more reasons he believes that uh, Arizona would be a location Payton would be into. Location is obviously great um, for him, wanting to be close to L.A., wanting to 
um, you know, be in warm weather, if any of that stuff matters. But I, I really think his ability to win matters more than anything else. And I don't even think the general manager would be a deal breaker if, if he likes the general manager and has heard good things about him. He worked with the GM his entire time. He worked under a GM his entire time in New Orleans. Mickey Loomis was his boss in New Orleans, and he never left because he always talked about how well he loved his relationship with the GM and with ownership here. So he wants power. He probably wants ultimate final say or at least equal say or veto sure. power, whatever you want to call it, but it doesn't mean he has to be the GM's boss. So I, I don't think Arizona gets ruled out for any of those reasons, and in some ways it might be the most attractive job. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's not what we've we've heard from a lot of the people well, uh, on the inside on on sizing these jobs up. But we'll find out a lot again, more after these after this interview happens tomorrow. Again, this is, sounds so basic and, and elementary, but this is honest to God the truth. If if you are a football coach and you're not a player, the idea of conducting practices and working six days a week in a climate that's beautiful in the time your 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 uh, sport is in season, there's a huge advantage to that. Mm-hmm. Huge advantage. Do you know how many times in Green Bay, Wisconsin, practices get disrupted because snowstorms interrupt the commute in the morning? Yeah. Stupid stuff like that. How many times you have to move indoors? How many times you have to wear jackets outside? How many times your team can't wait to get done practicing because it's so nasty outside? How many times your neighbors have to come dig you out of your house yes, and drive that, you to practice right, that's with their right. snowplow vehicles? Right, exactly. And so I just little stuff like that, I, it really it, it means something to play. Players, but players are so uh, schooled in the idea of I've got to make as much money as possible right now. It doesn't matter where I work. Uh, when you start being a head coach and you start thinking you've got families and you start thinking of stuff like that, that stuff really matters. So I think that stuff makes Arizona better than a lot of places by definition. The the state of the roster, unless he's talking about just the 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 blank palette of it all. The blank canvas of it all. Yeah. Then, uh, then that's that's a little silly. But that, yeah. But that didn't sound what he was no. was intimating no. because it, there will be massive roster turnover. Yeah. On a couple of the other, um, so the, the Peyton thing happening tomorrow. Dan Quinn in for a second interview. Apparently, the reports that he flew in last night. Maybe the interview is happening today. We'll find out further reporting. Um, Dan Quinn is currently the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. They've had a really good defense for two years. Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football uh, earlier this week said, yeah, the Cowboys can't afford to lose this guy. Dan Quinn might be the most valuable person in that building right now. That includes the head coach. I I think that McCarthy has won 12 games. back. He's not going anywhere, and I think he's a great CEO of this thing. But Dan Quinn is the architect of one of the best defenses in the league, and you can lose a Tony Pollard in free agency. You can lose a couple offensive linemen in free agency. If Dan Quinn gets offered one of these other jobs, he's going to make more money. Obviously, he's going to be a head coach somewhere. But if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm walking into Dan Quinn and saying, what will it take to keep you for just one more year as our defensive coordinator? You write the blank check because we're there. We have these guys. We can't lose you. Yeah, but I mean, wow. l- let's say that ha- and it's entirely possible the way Jerry Jones operates. Where was that love when Dan Quinn got fired in, Al- in Atlanta? <laughs> Where uh, Isn't it amazing how people get flash leverage in sports yes. suddenly you become the hottest thing janet jackson said it best what have you done for me lately <laughs> yeah, it's true ooh, 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 ooh. um jerry jones could do that but even if dan quinn is there that defense is intact 
What are you doing on the offensive side of the ball? You're still saddled with Dak Prescott, who's now apparently the least popular guy in, in Dallas, Texas. He's taking a lot of heat for that. I mean, he he played so well the week before, and it's not like he was a full-on disaster there was moments. He had a moment in the game that was almost Kyler Murray-esque when he was rolling out in his own end zone and then he like locked up mentally. Mm-hmm. And then luckily he was bigger than the defender coming at him so he could kind of bounce him off him. Oh, yeah, he kind of lowered the shoulder. Lowered, yeah. but, but if that was a bigger defender, it, that might have been safety city, fumble yeah. city. Might yeah. Have been, it, so, yeah, so listen, I if I were a Cowboys fan, I would definitely be concerned at, at what comes off your quarterback. But not every quarterback is built to win in those highest of high-leverage situations. You know, we saw Kyler Murray completely spit the bit. Coughed up a hairball in his playoff game. It, okay. it, 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 it's, it's a lot, man. You you just said two words that rhymed with what Kyler Murray put out there <laughs> on the football field in that playoff game. Without actually saying the real word. That was impressive. I did that. Wasn't that pretty good? Yeah. I'm stretching my wit. <laughs> There's another one. <laughs> <What> See? <a> <laughs> this show is lit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, the Suns beat the Hornets last night in downtown Phoenix, and they beat them severely. We'll get into the latest Suns win, four straight for the guys in purple next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns lead it by a point with Paul crossing the timeline, swings to an open Johnson, another three goes from the right wing, Cam's three for three, and not even feeling... The net with those shots. Here comes CP3, gets a pick from Cam. Dribbles to the right wing, fakes the pass, now finds Cam all alone for three again, and he's four for four. Johnson on fire to start tonight's game. John Bloom on the uh, call last night. Four of six three-pointers hit by Cam Johnson. He had six of the 22 three-pointers that the Suns hit last night. Yeah. The Charlotte Hornets are really bad. And really bad at three-point defense. They proved that last night. Suns get an easy 128-97 to win. Charlotte uh, depleted. No LaMelo ball. No Carmelo Anthony. Kelly Oubre's been out for a while. But, yep. uh, man, the guys that they put out there, it, it resembled a G League team. And I, they got I, treated as such. Listen, yeah. And, again, I knew going into this that the uh, the Charlotte Hornets were every bit as bad as their record. I, I don't think I was quite prepared for how... Immature and bad, they and just non competitive they are. But hey, whatever. It, it's that, that's their problem. I think. Shut up, Jared. That is their problem. And as of right now, <laughs> it's it's just important, as we said, for the Suns to take this time and just stack these wins, uh, like sort of like sort of like a squirrel gathering nuts for the winter ahead. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yes, cheese stuffed into the cheese. Right, kind of like that. I'm so which... I, I'm all I'm all for it. I the fact that they had a game that was over at the end of the first quarter. There have been a lot of games where the Suns have been on the other side of that. Yeah. Too many games where the Suns have been on the other side of that. It's good for them to be on the right side of it. Although it did get a, a, a uneasy late in the second quarter when the the Hornets got it to within eight, but you never really felt threatened. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that phrase up, Sarah. Storing cheese in the cheeks. Because that's what Cam Johnson looked like again last night. He, he took a shot to the face, and I got to say this. Cam Johnson gets hit in the face more than any player in the NBA, does he not? 
I guess. I mean, the I, cheek I was we, all swollen. Yeah, out. I, I do think that players fling elbows and things around his face, face without fear of being, you know, of retribution. Yeah, I do believe that. Yeah, and I, I also do started that, thinking about it last night is, is, as a reason for that happening, is especially when a player like Cam Johnson, who can shoot the ball like he can, gets off to that start, how are you going to throw him off the game? Get a little physical. Maybe sneak in a shot there. And he actually got called for the foul on that play. Tried to explain it to the official. And, his, I mean, his his cheek is just puffed out and, and swollen. But really didn't throw him off his game last night. Uh, that was a good performance. He only had to play 18 minutes last night, 24 points. The Suns weren't taxed in that win. Uh, here's uh, Cam Johnson after the game talking about getting back in the groove after being out for so long. Yeah, minute restriction uh, kind of strikes, you know, those hopes and dreams a little bit. But for me, like I said, I'm just really focused on, on playing, playing the right way. There's still some things I really got to clean up, especially um, overall, some laps on the defensive end where I'm kind of just caught in no man's land, um, and even some stuff offensively where I feel like I can I can grow and add more. Um, so I, I kind of just focus on those things and, and, and you know, enjoying it. Like I, like I told you guys a million times, when you're out for a long time, big part of you just enjoys playing basketball again. Yeah, you appreciate it. Being being absent uh, will we'll yeah. build that appreciation. I, um, I, I, I like the vibe that is coming off Cam Johnson right now, and I don't even know if I can define it. I'm sure you can kind of feel it, too. It's he, He's never been a real emotive guy on the court, but there's a little uh, I don't know, there's a little determination for him. Keep in mind, this guy's playing for a contract. He's playing for his financial future, and, and the Suns did not give him that contract, and now so now he's got a condensed season to kind of reestablish his value. Don't underestimate the what good that might bring to this to the present for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and uh, ter- we'll get more into that in, at seven o'clock after we, we hit Vinny's view. I think there's some interesting thoughts to be had on that subject, um, especially how it pertains to Cam Johnson and others. But uh, you talk about vibe, like. Cam Johnson, when he was out, and yes, getting him back, and he's a he's a pivotal member of the offense, spreads the floor. Things just seem to operate better when he's there. There's a calmness about this team when he's out there, and we've seen that in the three games that he's played. I didn't expect him to be this dialed in this early offensively, did you? We've had examples in the past. When he went down after the, the Knicks game last year, and the Knicks game was you know the signature game in Cam Johnson's career, but he got hurt, he missed substantial time, he was never the same player after that. And that included through the playoff run. Mm-hmm. He just kind of seemed like he was in a fog a bit. He he just it, it, I, if you, if you watched last night's game, you okay. would not have guessed he just missed thirty seven games. Yeah, I would I would be I would be completely endorsing and echoing what you were saying if not for the Grizzlies game that that have been in between his two right. really good games. He had he had three games and one was pretty bad. Yeah, I, I, he was really bad against the Grizzlies. So if if he were good in that game, I, I'd buy into okay. what you're saying a little more. That's fair. A uh, player that uh, is rounding back into form, Dario Saric, is getting extended minutes, somewhat out of necessity, but he looks like a different player. He finally looks like the the pre-ACL tear Dario Saric. Uh, I thought he was fantastic last night. The way he's ba- passing the basketball, he looks confident offensively. He's got a little bit more bounce in his step. Uh, Dario got some uh, praise from Cam Johnson himself. And Dario can hoop, man. He does a lot of everything, and you can rely on him to score, distribute, um, and 
he just plays with the flow that we like to play with. So when he's out there, no matter the group, he can always make an impact on the game. Sometimes he's a little bit more of a distributor. Sometimes he's more of a scorer. He can shoot. He can rebound. Um, so, you know, that's that's vintage Dario right there. And the the ball movement with Dario in there, and again, you have to consider the, the opposition, but the ball movement I thought was fantastic last night. 47 baskets for the Suns, 38 assists. Yeah. Yeah, again, not a lot of resistance, but it was it was good for the Suns to kind of look like the heavy in that game last night and not, and not look like the hunted. So I think that was uh that was a real real good thing I think for the team. Uh, that that can only help their sort of morale going forward. The belief that hey, you know what? We're okay. We we we've got enough here and it's it's I think nights like that help. They don't uh, I, beating Dallas I think helps even more if you're able to do that. Yes, but not only because you would have beaten Dallas, who's been a thorn in your side, but also closing out a five and zero homestand. If you can mm-hmm. do that, I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's ramifications to that too. And I think in a normal year, if the Suns and this is not a normal year in the NBA by any stretch so far, but if the Suns had struggled to the degree that they'd struggled with. Uh, you know, without Chris Paul, without Devin Booker, without DeAndre Ayton and Cam Johnson for for stretches, the season could have very well been over. But what we're seeing in the Western Conference, especially, you've got a level of parity. The level of parity is heightened by load management. There's no other way to say it. Mm-hmm. These teams can't get on rolls because their best players aren't playing yeah, every night. It's true. Um, so you know, it could have been a real discouraging. Mid December to to mid January stretch for the Suns because they were awful. There's no other way to say it. They were getting yeah. blown out on a on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that they're in you know in this scenario this year, and if you could finish this off, and even if you go four and one, yeah, it'll it'll hurt not closing it out and before you head back out on the road. But a four and one homestand at this point seemed impossible ten days ago. Well, yeah. Uh, yes, I agree with that. I also, uh, but I also like when you when you brought up Dario Saric, we we kind of ha- began to have this conversation yesterday. It's 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 almost like, it, and the way you phrased it, that he's kind of rounding back into that form. The, I don't know that he's ever not been in that form. I just think uh, somewhere along the line, the the Sun started looking at all the things Dario Saric could not do for them, and it's it just seems to me that 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 with a little more commitment to him, you get some real good stuff, and you have to live with what he can't do. And I, and I think the little stuff like that, when you add it all together with guys who are sincere and competing hard, and I think it makes a difference. I really do. I, sincerity of effort is so important in the NBA because, like you said, you, you never know the temperature of another team on any given night. Never. Mm-hmm. And it's if you've got guys giving a real sincere, honest effort, playing defense, doing the dirty stuff, running hard, moving the basketball, good things can happen for you. And and I think this is kind of this is this has kind of been a good time. I I agree with your assessment that when they were twenty one and twenty four, there was some serious gripping going on as to what it, what is here below Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. They've they've kind of they've kind of they're producing a nice little save right now. I would agree with you. And uh, tomorrow, Luca is in town. Dallas lost a one-point game last night at home to Washington. So it's always a little different feel in the arena when the Mavericks come to town. That game uh, nationally televised 8 o'clock tip to close out the homestand tomorrow night. Coming up next, we'll hit some NFL hash marks and the latest thoughts from Aaron Rodgers on his own future. Does he sound like Tom Brady and all of it? We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The local sports leader, Bickley and Murata.
hash marks. You surely could do it. It's somewhat complicated with this contract, so you want to do it before the options exercise. But basically, you would call up Green Bay. Canley, I would have done it two weeks ago and say, hey, I want to talk to the agent, and I want to sit down with Aaron Rodgers and say, hey, look, I'm not looking for a two-year sort of relationship here. This is for the next 50 years. You come to New York, this could be transformative. Look at Michael Strahan. Look at Nate Burleson. You want to meet with heads of state at the U.N.? You want to meet with heads of media, <laughs> banking? Whatever you want to do, Aaron Rodgers, we are going to make this the transformative move of your life. So you can go to Tennessee and play football, but we're talking about something much bigger. It's Mike Tannenbaum of ESPN who gave me a harrowing thought in hearing that soundbite. Aaron Rodgers' presidential run in the year 2028. Oh, man. Oh, can you imagine that? Oh, please. Please, please, please. Please like me. I don't care what, uh, what side of the political fence you're on. If you're running for president and you have to have a giant ego... He's got that box checked, Aaron Rodgers. But uh, but there's Tannenbaum talking about, hey, the Jets should make the trade for Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of talk and speculation about the future of Aaron Rodgers, again, because, hey, there always is. And Aaron Rodgers, as he always does, adds to that speculation uh, by talking pretty openly. Unlike a lot of sports figures, he does do that. He goes on the Pat McAfee show weekly, and he kind of breaks it down here, Bick. Uh, he doesn't think he's wanted in Green Bay anymore. They drafted uh, my replacement. And if I didn't win two COVID MVPs, this conversation probably would have happened earlier. But in a year where I'm not going to win MVP, uh, it allows for all the different conjecture. Um, is Jordan ready? Is it time to move on? Uh, the Packers have had this uh, interesting view on personnel from conjecture from outside the building that it, it's better to move on a year before a guy is done than a year after. And is that the, is that the mindset? Uh, for them deep down. Now, as an organization, they're obviously not going to say any of that. Um, why would you? There's not a whole lot to be won. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm open to all honest and direct conversation. And if, if they felt like it was in the best interest of the team to move forward, so be it. Again, that doesn't that wouldn't offend me. That wouldn't uh, you know make me feel like a victim. I wouldn't I wouldn't have any animosity towards the team. I love the team. I love the organization. I love the city. I love the region. And I'd love to finish there. I would. And, and I might have finished there. You know, who knows? But uh, when I talk about my future, I don't talk in any cryptic terms. You know, I, I'm pretty direct about how I feel, and I am taking time with my decision. And I am, you know, not, you know, egomaniacal in a sense to think that, uh, you know, I should be able to play wherever I want as long as I want. No, no, I heard you were an egomaniac. Yeah. yeah. Uh, waiter, could I have a side of ranch for that word salad we just heard? Uh, there you go. <laughs> That's true. Can two of them please? There's I, a lot of salad there. There's a lot of salad. I don't know if one little uh, container of ranch is going to cover it. I'm not egomaniacal. I don't speak in cryptic terms about my future. Come on. Aaron Rodgers does say a lot more than a lot of athletes do, but that's just ridiculous. Yeah, no, that part's ridiculous. I thought the other part was very, very honest. Now, the the beginning of it, you're like, all right, dude, can you get over the fact that they drafted a quarterback? Can you get over? Like four years ago. I know. And and again, I understand that maybe it's the timing that bothers him, that they were right in the midst of a championship window. But again, it's, it's at the very nature of it, if you really do understand 
understand that it's a business, the way you are claiming you understand that it's a business and the way you're claiming that you're not woke and you're not offended by every little thing. And yet this still triggers you to the nth. That that to me is a little bit weird. And, and that that to me tells me that this is still at the root of Everything with Aaron Rodgers. This idea that you clowns went out and drafted my replacement with a first round pick that in which we could have used to win a Super Bowl, of which we are still chasing. Yes, he can't get true. past it. He cannot get past that. Everything he said afterwards about, hey, listen, if if they want to have that conversation, the, the fact that he came out and said they have got this viewpoint to get rid of guys a year early rather than a year late. That's exactly what Bill Belichick does. That's, that's exactly what, what the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Have That's always what smart done. organizations it's always what do. Smart, smart organizations do. And guess do. what? That might already be too late for the Packers uh, because yes. he went from MVP level in 2021 to way back from that. His completion yeah. percentage was down. His yardage was down. His touchdowns were down. His interceptions were up. The win total went from 13 to eight. It's not all on Aaron Rodgers. I get it, but he was not. He was. He was an average quarterback and, this year. And, and Aaron Rodgers had no issue with the Packers' uh, method of operations, their modus operandi, if you will, until it applied to him. Mm-hmm. He, had no, he had no issues with, okay, this is the way my organization operates. Because the teams that do get rid of guys um, on the come, the guys that are still playing well, and you get rid of them a year early, you end up making a lot of cutthroat decisions that make people go, <gasps> like when the Steelers cut Kevin Green. <gasps> and, and there's many examples. The, the, uh, the Patriots, Chandler Jones. <gasps> there's a lot of that stuff. And, and most of the times those organizations are proven right. They'll be one or two times and they're proven wrong and they and people go oh you're just a cold-hearted SOB there well, and but, but again Aaron Rodgers had no issue with that whole approach until it applied to him I for one am not a huge Aaron Rodgers fan I appreciate his skill as a quarterback I am pulling for him to wear one uniform for his career. He did talk about that in the interview yesterday as well with Pat McAfee. Hey, if I go back to Green Bay, it's going to take a massive restructure. And I think that's something that Aaron Rodgers at this stage of his career where, hey, we saw a quality of play drop-off last year. We saw a statistical drop-off last year. And the recent trends are, you know, the good to very good quarterbacks in the NFL, when they change teams after they've been there for a long time, it doesn't always go well. And all you have to do is look at year one of Russell Wilson in Denver. Look like a different player. Aaron Rodgers is far better than Russell well, Wilson, but the trend is out there. Yeah. I don't think necessarily, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers landing somewhere else, whether it's the Jets or the Raiders or wherever you want to, you know, place him for 2023. I don't know if it goes that well, even though he still has a lot to offer. The uh, the, the the thing about guys like Aaron Rodgers, if if you convince yourself that you are never happy with the people you work for, you absolve yourself from ultimately taking all the blame for not winning championships because it because ultimately it's their fault if they were mm-hmm. if the packers were smart enough to listen to me this never would have happened i wouldn't be stuck here tied with trent dilfer for Super Bowl win and Rich Gannon for Super Bowl wins with one. And Brad Johnson. And Brad Johnson with and Joe one. Flacco. Yeah. I wouldn't be tied with one while Tom Brady's sitting there with seven. It's a real it's a real kind of a tricky psychological maneuver where you don't have because let's keep in mind here. This is the quarterback of a team that won thirteen games three years in a row. How many rings does he have to show for those thirty nine regular season victories? Uh zero. Uh, never even made the Super yeah. Bowl. Zero. Yeah. So, it, it, uh, so, you know, 
Let's let let's let's all hope that Aaron Rodgers never finds true happiness because he might just rattle him off, man. I'm being very facetious. <laughs> we could have said that probably with you know four years ago. Yeah, he's on the he's on the back, and now. he's still a remarkable talent. But again, oh, yeah. it, it's uh, this yeah, it's it's that that Brady dynamic in the seven Super Bowls. It's blown the minds of him. It blew the mind of Russell Wilson. They just realize I am six miles behind the guy who's going to be the goat, and I've got no chance of catching him. Isn't that amazing, though, when you consider the other great quarterbacks of Brady's era, that it, the, the differential is that big? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. It is amazing. I mean, you watch Aaron Rodgers play early in his career, and you're like, this guy's going to win one Super Bowl? And a lot of it's not his own I fault. Know. I, mean, I know. Some of it was. Uh, we are less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57. A Bud Light FanDuel and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text SUPER to 620-620 to get registered. Then listen for your name starting on February 6th. You could score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl, plus tickets to the FanDuel Party, Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. Once again, text SUPER to 620-620 to get entered. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Coming up next, a different view of the Suns' win over the Hornets in the big picture. And that's Vinny's view, and it's straight ahead. Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.